Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. This is Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. And now, your host, Matthew Kanata, joined by co-hosts, Josh Houts and Aaron Sutton. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Finside Radio. This is Matt Kanata, joined by Aaron Sutton and Joshua Houts. And we are back for another episode of Finside Radio, coming off a very close Dolphins win or Dolphins loss, depending on what kind of uh, fan you are and what side of the fence you sit on. Dolphins falling by one point to the Washington Redskins. Ryan Fitzpatrick coming in to save the day for Miami or ruin the day. Again, depending on which side of the fence you sit on. Leading the Dolphins down to two scoring drives and two touchdowns. And then, of course, the failed two-point conversion play at the end of the game. We're going to touch on that for the bulk of the show today. We're going to touch on, you know, the decision to start Ryan Fitzpatrick. The decision of Brian Flores to go for that two-point conversion. The ludicrous statements by some of the fans saying that Brian Flores is in on the tank. Um, Let's shoot that down pretty quickly. And then just, you know, kind of everything that's going around the Dolphins these days. And there's always drama with a winless team, with a team that's uh, constructed in a way not to win any games. But despite all that, this Dolphins team has improved every single week. There is no denying that. They have literally improved every week. And every time they step on that field, the game gets closer and closer and closer. And it's probably just a matter of time. I think before they win their first game, probably not against the Buffalo Bills on Sunday, but when they play an inferior opponent later in the season, such as the Jets, 
Uh, yeah, they have Sam Darnold, but it's always a division game. And those are tough. Or the Cincinnati Bengals. Or I'm going to throw my conspiracy theory out later on in the show about the New England Patriots. This team is improving, and that's a good sign because you want to see that from a coaching staff. You want to see them getting better and better and better. Houts, Sutton, it's been a while since we've all been together and all been kind of busy and doing our own little shows and here and there and, and getting everything all set on the back end. But uh, what are your thoughts on what happened on Sunday versus the Washington Redskins? Where does this team go forward, and what's your general feeling on, on the state of the Dolphins right now? And I will say, though, if Xavier Howard played on Sunday – that Dolphins team would have beaten the Redskins. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think it was kind of a funny, you know, how Xavier Howard, by many accounts, it seemed like he was, you know, somewhat healthy. And then right at the last minute through the later part of the week, you know, it started to come out that he was going to miss it. And everyone started to collude and think, you know, okay, maybe this is a real tank. But let's be honest. I mean, the Dolphins, the coaching staff, the players, they're not trying to tank. They don't care about Tua Tungvalu. They don't care about any of those prospects next season. All they care about is going out there and doing their job and trying to win football games. You mentioned Brian Flores. Some people think that he's in on it. There's no way Brian Flores is in on it. And we kind of saw that in this Redskins game, you know, for as bad as the Dolphins looked. Josh Rosen, 15 to 25, 85 yards and two interceptions. I mean, he looked very, very bad. And I mean, he had no time behind that offensive line. But when he did have time, I mean, that's kind of when he was making those mistakes. So they had to turn to somebody. They brought in Fitzpatrick. And depending on what side of the tank you were on, you, you probably had – you know, this was probably the most uh, anxious you were throughout an entire Dolphins game all year long. Fitzpatrick came in 12 of 18, 132 yards, one touchdown. You saw him come in right away, led the Dolphins down the field, hit Mike Sicky, made him look like an actual tight end in the NFL, which was crazy. But, you know, then he hit Parker for that touchdown. They went for two. I think the play call was great. I think, you know, they had the right mentality there. They said Mark Walton practiced all week that play. Kenny Drake got called. His number, he dropped it. But even if he caught that pass, there was no way he was making it in the end zone. You have to love Brian Flores going for two there. Again, if you are on the, you know, go out there and win football game side of things. But as a guy that sits here, and I, I said in my daily podcast, you know, I would never root for the Dolphins to lose. I have to, I have to apologize because I was absolutely rooting for the Dolphins to lose this football game. I saw no point in winning a game against you Washington. Are, huh? Yeah, yeah. You can't sit. Yeah, you can't sit here uh, and not, say that, you know. If, I'm if you, not going to lie. When that when they were lining up for that two-point conversion, there was a small part of me that wanted the Dolphins to convert and make that and win the game. There was another part of me that wanted them to not make it and lose the game. See, I, I we'll let Sutton discuss how he felt about <laughs> that, but I, I mean, I feel dirty to say it because, you know, Washington at the end of the year, they're going to be one of those teams jockeying for one of those you know, in that top five position, and who knows if they're going to move on from Dwayne Haskins. So I feel dirty saying it. I've never done it before. And maybe a time when I hoped, you know, Joe Philbin got fired or something. But I was 100% hoping the Dolphins lost this football game, as sad as that is to say. When Fitzpatrick hit Parker, I, I was nearly in tears, and then he went for two, and I was like, this is going to be the most Dolphins thing ever. You know, at the end of the season, we're going to miss out on Alabama quarterback Tua, Tongue of Iloa, and it's going to be because they went for two here because Ryan Fitzpatrick did his thing. But overall, I mean, where do they go from here? I think you're absolutely right. The Dolphins will eventually win a game. I don't know if it's against Pittsburgh or, you know, against the Jets or whoever whoever it might be against. The Dolphins are probably going to win a football game this year. But this was the tank for Tua Bowl. This was part one. We know they play Cincinnati right before Christmas. So that's what it's all going to come down to, in my opinion. But I felt a sigh of relief when Kenyon Drake dropped that pass. And, yes, I know that is very, very – Poor of me to say. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. It was just you're not a, you're not a, you're not a real fan, Josh. 
I'm I'm not ashamed one bit, honestly. I, I, yeah. I hope they go 0-16 if that's what it takes to get the Alabama quarterback. And I know we're going to sit here and say, you know, he's no sure thing. You know, the Dolphins made the mistake last time with Matt Ryan, and they went with a left tackle. I'm going to say it. If it takes an 0-16 season to get Tua and to have the success that many think that he will bring to this franchise – Go out there and go in 16. It doesn't affect me, just like the 17 and 0 season doesn't affect me. I wasn't even in, inside my father's sack at the time, you know. But, right. So I don't care about the I don't care about the 17 and 0 season. Just like I don't care if they go in 16, because at the end of the day, they're historically the worst team in the history of the league, whether they win a game or not. I mean, that's just that's just where they're going to end up in the record books. Go in 16, get the quarterback, and success will follow. Do you guys just want to fight this whole episode, or? I mean, it's been a while, so we can we can just let's just go. Go ahead. What are your thoughts, Sutton? I want to know what you think about this because I I think I might be in the minority here from the way it sounds. Well, you know, I am. I'm always in the middle on everything. So the the Redskins game in particular is just a bizarre game. I think we'd feel differently if we were, you know, playing the 49ers or something. They were already 4-0, and we were getting ready to beat a team like that. That doesn't Winning that game doesn't help much. Losing to the Redskins was especially important because they were one of our biggest obstacles in getting the the number one draft pick. With that two-point conversion in particular, we've seen this play run around the league. The New England Patriots ran it in the Super Bowl, I believe, on Monday Night Football against the Green Bay Packers. It's a play that works. Uh, Motion, short motion like that can be one of those ways you can manifest some space in those tight quarters when you're on the goal line like that. Uh, so I think it was just such a crappy result of a play that I think people were got all in their conspiracy theory feelings. And, uh, you know, it's possible that, you know, Washington studied tape and saw that play coming and, you know, it looked like there were two or three bodies out there. Like you said, even if he caught it, there were plenty of people there that were going to tackle him. So it just wasn't a play that was going to work. I disagree, I guess in the with, that. I disagree with that. I disagree with that. Are you disagreeing just to disagree? No. <laughs> he's just no, trying to get. But... <laughs> he's just trying to ruffle feathers. It, it looked like there were going to be three guys to kill no. Kenyon Drake if he caught that pass. No, if you look at that play, right? So the left tackle was supposed to either – um, go down low and block block the defensive end or misread the play or the defensive end saw it coming, right? So the left tackle, if he had gotten that defensive end and then the two wide receivers out left and they had their men block, uh, blocked into the end zone. So they're just going to keep pushing back there. Yes, there is that one linebacker coming down on Drake from the side, but we don't know if the play was designed so Drake would catch it, then turn and run to the outside. Uh, to get to the end zone, or if he would just kind of power his way in. Remember, the Lions ran this too, and I believe they were stuffed at the one-yard line. They ran it the other night, or or the week before, but they were stuffed at the one-yard line. Now, if Drake was supposed to kind of curl back a little bit, which I'm, I'm almost thinking he may have had to, because if you see Fitzpatrick, it kind of seemed like he was a little surprised that Drake was just coming towards him, and he got that ball away really fast. And I don't know why. Maybe he saw the defensive end crashing down and not blocked. Or maybe he was just startled that Drake was running towards him. It would seem that Drake would kind of like have to go out to the outside there and kind of catch the floating pass and then waltz into the end zone. 
Regardless, irregardless, though, if that left tackle makes a block, I think they get this two-point conversion. Easily. Well, I disagree. I disagree with your disagreement because the way that play is designed to run is the the pass was late, so that threw off the timing of everything. That play is designed to get the ball out very quickly and then run straight ahead. It's basically like a halfback dive that's just ran on a different space in the field. So, yeah, I guess in your scenario, maybe if the left tackle got out and wide receivers crashed down on moving linebackers and somehow got a seal for the outside, yeah, I guess Kenyon Drake could have got to the outside. I don't th- it would have been a very headsy play by Kenyon Drake, not necessarily the design of how the play is supposed to work. So basically, if everything went perfect it would have worked is what we're getting at if, if ryan fitzpatrick actually turned into fitz magic and did some yeah. david blaine type shit and got the ball to Kenyon drake and you, you know he teleported swearing. into I the end zone then it, now i'm sorry oh, that was the first that was the first time oh my god okay just go that, that was it i was just gonna say everything had to everything had to come together i don't think it would have you know fairies and you know unicorns and magic would have taken place for him to get in the end zone i think you're right if he would have you know backtracked and maybe tried to get to the outside maybe it would have happened but i just don't see any world in which that play would have worked because it did seem like washington sniffed it out from the very beginning do you think did you well we saw the uh we all we all saw all three of us saw the mic'd up brian flores where he was mic'd up for the game against the redskins what a picture that was or a video shot that was of Flores after that failed two-point conversion like you could feel the hurt in his heart and I felt the hurt in my heart Mm -hmm. when I just saw him just totally dejected there that was a tough one to see yeah and that's why people people say that you know he's in on the tank and this is like he's going out there trying to lose yeah you you could see you're, you're absolutely right you could see the heartbreak and the defeat on his face he thought it was the right play I think we can all three agree that Going for two there was in their best interest, but it just didn't work out. And you're right, Brian Flores looked absolutely devastated. I don't know how you guys felt about him going about benching Josh Rosen at the time. I mean, during the game, perfect you know situation. There was no reason to keep Josh Rosen in there because he was doing nothing to spark the offense. But you know, he went over there and he said, "Fitz, it's your time. Get in there." And you know, kind of told Josh Rosen, "It's just serious. We're gonna see if he can go out there and light a spark." And then you know, he went into the press conference. Josh Rosen's still my guy after last week saying. Josh Rosen's going to play the rest of the season. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but it seems like he's constantly flip-flopping. I guess that would be my biggest issue with it. I don't have a problem with him bringing in the best quarterback because we see Josh Rosen. We see the the mistakes he's making. You know, he's not identifying the the pressure. He's just not making the right reads. Something that Ryan Fitzpatrick will do, but the fact that he goes in there and, you know, earlier in the year he said, Ryan Fitzpatrick, my guy, and then midway through the week, Josh Rosen's going to start. Then he went out and he said, Josh Rosen's a starting quarterback for the next 12 games. He even said earlier this week, Josh Rosen's going to be the starter. Then they came out and said, it's Ryan Fitzpatrick. I have nothing against him, you know, trying to do what's best for the team. But the constant flip-flopping, I mean, that has to be a little bit concerning to some. I think the narrative is starting to kind of take shape that the, the Dolphins coaching staff might be a little in over their heads. And I don't think that's really that – ridiculous i mean it's certainly possible he's a young guy his first time head coaching he might be over his head a little bit but what i'm starting to hear is that he has no idea what he's doing and i think that's where i'm going to draw the line right there because 
Ryan Fitzpatrick, believe it or not, has already played in four of the five games we've played already. Yeah, Josh Rosen's played in every every one, but Fitzpatrick's played in every game except the Chargers game. So it's not like there's been a, a clear-cut thing going going through the season so far. It's not like Josh Rosen seized his opportunity in any way, shape, or form. And I, you just got to look at it as, you know, Brian Flores, if you're trying to make a sandwich and you have a turd and a paper clip, like, what are you supposed to do? I mean, that's where I kind of draw the line where I'm not saying that he doesn't have any idea what he's doing. He just doesn't have much to work with. Now, it could also be true that the general manager doesn't know what he's doing and the coaches don't know what they're doing. And Hell, if we're going to go big picture, you could be a fan of 31 of the 32 teams every year and say that these guys are bad and you're going to be proven right because this is essentially a loser league. Everyone loses except one team. So you could certainly make the case that everyone sucks right now and you might be proven right. But with Brian Flores in the quarterback situation, I can't really fault him for this because he's – damned if he does and damned if he doesn't. I'm most interested to know what a turd and paperclip sandwich would taste like. <laughs> yeah, what does it taste Which like? Is, you'd probably put the paperclip like, into the turd and like eat it, probably like a some type of popsicle or something. And I will say this, you know, you can sit here and say that the Dolphins should tank and, you know, everyone wants to get to it. But at the end of the day, you know, they made these moves to acquire all these draft picks. They can pretty much move up and down the draft board as they please. So if they don't get to it, I know a lot of people will be upset, but there's a bunch of good franchise caliber quarterbacks in this draft. And if they do, you know, string together some wins, Ryan Fitzpatrick does what he does. You know, he's rocking that gold chain. He goes out there and makes these plays and and wins some football games. That doesn't mean they still can't get their quarterback. They have the ammunition. If they truly believe in, you know, a Justin Herbert or a Jordan Love or whoever it might be, they have the ammunition to go get them. So it's not, you know, the the hero. If they don't lose out, there's still an opportunity to get the guys that they want. They have the ammunition. Everyone wants to. Everyone thinks you need to lose out to get to it, but the the team will be okay. And, you know, they go out there and they scout Justin Herbert every week, and they, they are going to do their work on Joe Burrow or whoever it is. They're doing their due diligence on this entire class. What happens when they go up there with the first pick and they don't take to it? Like, do you understand? Like, what would happen then? <laughs> Dolphins like, the Twitter fan base would absolutely will melt. It would be insane. Down. They will and, melt and we just down. gotta let it play out because it's gonna happen whether we're rooting for wins or losses. The Dolphins are gonna continue to go out there and try to win games. You saw uh, Bobby McCain how upset he was at things didn't work out. He was shaking. Like he looked like he was gonna kill somebody. <laughs> you saw Brian Flores. I mean, it looked like it was one of the. I felt the heartbreak, just like you both said. I just, as a Dolphins fan, I mean, what do you do here? You can sit here and root for wins, and it's going to ruin maybe potentially have these lasting, this trickling effect on the franchise, or you can lose down. And, you know, the fan base, the players, it's weighing in on everyone. So it's it's like Sun said. You're damned if you do, damned if you don't. And let's not forget that Jim Caldwell was supposed to be a part of all this. Hopefully he's back next year. But would this, you know, is the coaching staff over their head narrative be – taken off the way that it is if i mean what did people expect what did people expect we saw what happened with this roster i mean what do people expect the coaches to do i mean we have seen some glimpses of good team play certainly not consistent enough to to do any winning football but i mean it's 
I guess I just don't know what people expect anymore. Uh, the, the, so, you know, uh, it's tough because, you know, doing PFN, Pro Football Network, has really opened I, my eyes for sure. I think you, you guys as well. But, um, you know, we have access to Tony Pauline. He's on our staff. He, he's a big part of our website. And we see what he says every week about the quarterbacks. We have conversations with him offline. And, you know, right now, he's even saying that scouts aren't seeing what fans are seeing in Tua Tagovaiola. Tagovaiola. However you say his last name. I need to figure that out soon if the Dolphins are going to draft him. But they're saying, <laughs> he's saying the scouts aren't seeing him, right, as this bonafide number one franchise quarterback. And now Joe Burrow is coming onto the scene, and while Tony is saying that for him, he's not yet a top 10 quarterback. If he does really well against some tough defenses coming up, he's going to shift himself right into that conversation. And don't forget about Jalen Hurts, who has come on strong this season, coming from Alabama. Come on really strong and, and is lighting it up. What if Lincoln Riley goes to the NFL? Now, the Bengals won't fire uh, Zach Taylor after one season if they go 0-16. But what if, what if, and stay with me here, and, and probably not. I was going to say if the Redskins somehow get the number one pick and the Dolphins win like two games, the Bengals win two games, I don't think they get rid of Dwayne Haskins. I'm just trying to figure out if there's a way where Jalen Hurts can be the number one pick in the draft. And I don't think there is a really open path there. I don't think the Falcons are going to be that bad. And they got Matt Ryan. I think they still want to build around him. So never mind. I'm going to keep getting into that. But the, the point is that I, I think by the time the draft season comes, it's not going to be just two of the clear-cut number one uh, guy that's there at the top of everyone's board. You're going to see people with Joe Burrow as their number one. You're going to see people, maybe if Jalen Hurts keeps it up, as their number one. That's a long shot, but if he keeps firing on all cylinders, it may not be. And Jordan Love is even in the conversation a bit, but he struggled the past few weeks. He's not doing himself any favors. And then you got Tua. So I'm with you, Houts. Um, not only do the Dolphins not need to go 0-16 to get the franchise quarterback because there's going to be more than one in this draft, it's just that everyone is fascinated right now by Tua, and everyone feels like that has to be the guy. And we've all seen way too often with the draft and the media and the fans is that the media and the fans catch up to the NFL in about February or March, right? And then all of a sudden everyone's saying, oh, this guy's rising up the draft boards. When in the reality was, he was rising up the draft boards and during the college football season. So we don't know what's on the team's draft boards, but we also don't know like really what the true conversation is right now within NFL circles. For all we know, Tua can right. be well, a lot of people's number two, number two guy on their board. We don't know that. I mean... Yeah, not only that, we d we don't know where the scouting community is on any um, coherent level, at least right now. And then you have you have to mix in the fact that a lot of these top quarterbacks are go going to be playing their better competition later in the season. So you're going to really see some of those litmus test games that really uh, move the needle on how how these narratives get constructed about these players, and not to mention. Uh, Injuries are the ultimate grim reaper for anybody's career, and we've seen some players get injured late in the process, which would completely uh, shift 
how we're ranking all these guys and and talking about this with fits and all that kind of stuff at this point. That's why it's a little dangerous to get so deep in the draft game so early because things are fluid with these players. I mean, there's still a lot of football left to be played in the college football season and a lot of shifting that's going to be happening back and forth. So it's going to be interesting to see how we're talking about to at this point and where we're going to be talking about them, say, in January. Yeah, and you can't help but remember, you know, back in 2017, the Bears traded up one spot for Mitchell Trubisky in a draft ahead to Sean Watson and Patrick Mahomes. So all it takes is one franchise, you know, one GM to say, that is my guy, go all in on them, and, you know, that'll completely shift the entire draft board. So absolutely it's too early. I mean, we're in the middle of October. I don't know that the Dolphins in recent memory have had a season quite, you know, where they're on pace to be the worst team in the history of the league or they're they're 0-5, you know, so maybe that's why we're sitting here and we're getting excited about these different prospects, but let it play out because at the end of the day, like you both said, you know, a lot can change. An injury could occur, you know, a guy could, I mean, Tua, you, you heard him say he hears about the tank for Tua, but he even mentioned if he goes out there and plays like garbage in the next three weeks, no one's going to be, no fan base is going to be sitting there pounding the table for Tua when you got Joe Burrow going out there and lighting the world on fire. So there's a lot of football to be played. Again, if the Dolphins don't get that number one overall pick, it's not the end of the world. And I think we need to all remember that. One thing we do, we mentioned Lincoln Riley. He probably is not coming to Miami because as we're going to talk about, you know, Brian Flores, and it's not even really that big of a discussion, but, you know, they came out this week and it said he's going to be safe in 2020. Anyone that really thought he was on the hot seat, though, I don't know how you guys feel, but it just seems crazy to me. I mean, he knew what he was getting into. Once they made that tonsil trade and, you know, Minka Fitzpatrick was disgruntled, they moved him out. I mean, he, he was playing with a, you know, a bare bones roster. He's trying to get the most out of them. I don't think anybody believed that, you know, if he goes 0-16, he's on the hot seat. I think he'll see 2020 out. And, you know, I think him and Chris Greer might be tied at the hip. And, you know, however that plays out is yet to be determined. Well, yeah, we, no we want to see him. This season. And, and we want to see him in the draft room again. I mean, that I can't was wait. I cannot one wait of the, for the draft, guys. I know we've talked about it like I mean, ad nauseum on the show. But, I mean, running PFN and being a part of that and all that we do there <laughs> and having Tony Pauling there. It's going to be absolutely glorious. No, it's going to be amazing. Vegas is is going to be lit AF. And then for the Dolphins to have minds like Reggie McKenzie and Flores and Chris Greer all in on it, I mean, this is something I'm willing to roll the dice on because for any team to get to to be where they are, it takes a, a tremendous amount of luck to be a winning football team. And we're going to need that anyway, no matter who we draft. So might as well go in with a little bit of of optimism that uh, the the Dolphins are going to right this ship. Yeah, don't forget Marvin Allen. So, I mean, you just mentioned they have essentially, what, four GMs, you know, in their front office, if you're including what Brian Flores has done in the scouting department with New England. I mean, they have a lot of good football minds there. I mean, if there was every time to kind of trust the process – now would be the time because, again, they got the war chest of draft picks. They're going to have 130-plus million dollars. I mean, has a team in recent memory ever had the type of ammunition, both in free agency and the draft, that the Dolphins have had? I mean, it's crazy to think of. And you look at the Laramie Tunsil trade, and a lot of people were kind of 
uncertain on whether it was a good trade. Look at what Jalen Ramsey just got moved for. I, I don't care that Kenny Stills was in that trade. The Dolphins got a better deal for Laramie Tunsil than, you know, the, the Raiders got for Khalil Mack and the Giants got for ODB. And now we see Jalen Ramsey, they, they got more for Tunsil than Jalen Ramsey. I mean, the Dolphins made out like bandits. I know that Houston pick might not be what many believe, but the Dolphins have a war chest of draft picks. You, you got to trust the process and see the way this plays out. And your Dolphin fans, I mean, what's the worst that's going to happen? We're going to be sad for the next ten years, like we've already been. I mean, I mean, is that is that seriously? What what else can happen to us? We're, we're pretty much numb to the fact that you know, if, if things get worse, it's it's just what the Dolphins do. No, you're absolutely right. You are absolutely right. It can't get much worse, right? No, I mean, I hope not. <laughs> I said that out loud. I really hope we don't go through another ten years. Of this. <laughs> that that would be, that would be the absolute worst. That'd be bad. All right. So where do we see that the season kind of going from here? Where do we see kind of this team going? Um, you know, with the young guys playing, it's good. You know, you got guys like Mark Walton showing that he can still play football after a few rough years in the league already. Um, you know, he looks like he's getting to running back one status within the Dolphins, and that's pretty remarkable considering that. Some were saying that he may get cut during camp. And now he's about to take over the backfield. And you got guys like, even though Preston Williams is struggling a little bit, he's showing a lot of promise. And Christian Wilkins is is playing well. I think, you know, there's some good things on this team that we should be excited about for the future. Well, we're going to be keeping constant awareness of how the young nucleus and our young draft picks are doing. Uh, Michael Dieter, let's bring him up real quick. Thought he had a very poor game yeah. uh, against the Redskins. Thought he got exposed. Uh, you know, I, I think earlier in the year he was better than what we saw, and uh, hopefully he has a bounce-back game. But I kind of want to get to what you mentioned in the very opening of the show, Matthew. You mentioned you had a conspiracy oh, theory. Yes. I want I, I, I want to see if I can guess it. Can I just throw out two, some some names real quick? Baquan, I mean, is he not the best linebacker on the roster right now? I mean, we had high hopes for Jerome Baker. We thought he was going to be this, you know, Pro Bowl caliber player. And yes, what he said about the fans got a lot of people up in arms. But Jerome Baker's been a slight disappointment so far this year. Baquan McMillan looks like a monster. Taco Charlton's the best pass rusher. Aside from Vince Beagle, who, the, you know, the Dolphins got in that Kiko Lonzo trade. We got Robert Kimbichi Robert back. <laughs> You know, I, I was sitting there saying it in my mind. I'm like, I got this, and then I definitely just put it on. But we've got Robert Kimdichie coming back this week. I mean, it's the Dolphins have a young nucleus, and that's kind of the excitement heading forward is, you know, they have a lot of these low-risk, high-reward signings, and some of them are starting to hit. And that's going to be, you know, those are going to be those pieces for the long-term future. Matthew, tell us what you want to say about New England, because if you say the Dolphins are going to beat New England, I, I don't even know what to say. No, okay, I'm going to guess. guess. Yeah, I want to guess what he's thinking. So you're thinking, okay, that we get to 0 and 15. Yeah. We come on. We <laughs> we lose to the Bengals. Yep. And then New England lets us win. So then we would be tied with Cincinnati at 1 and 15. And based on the strength of schedule, we would get the second pick instead of the first. So New England. And resting all their players and saving all their people for the playoffs would allow us to win, which would screw our draft pick. Yes, that is exactly my conspiracy theory. Oh, God. Is the strength of schedule – would Cincinnati win out with the strength of schedule then? Do we I, know I don't know. I don't know. But God, remember, why do you remember say that? a few years it would, ago. It would depend – yeah, it would depend on 
where can everybody, we all the can common we, opponents. Can we trade them Josh Rosen so they don't do that? <laughs> I mean, is, that, is, that a, is that a possibility? <laughs> no. Remember a few years ago, I forget which year off the top of my head, and I, I'm not looking up right now, but they ran the ball pretty much the entire game. And it was yeah. a game that no one expected Miami to win, and nobody knew why the Patriots were doing it because they were still playing for that number one seed, and they didn't end up getting it. And they, I don't think they made the Super Bowl that year. But they, they ran the entire game. And once the Dolphins realized they were running the entire game, they obviously shut them down. I can see Bill Belichick doing that. I mean, if by that time, and obviously Bill Belichick will be in tune with what the rest of the NFL is thinking in terms of quarterback evaluation. If there's a huge gap between two and the next guy, and Bill Belichick knows that if the Dolphins lose that game, they're going to be guaranteed to a tongue of Viola, and Bill Belichick has a very high grade on him, do you think Bill Belichick is really going to just go in there? I don't know, man. It's so crazy just even talking about it. I'm like, of course he's going to go in there and beat their ass. <laughs> but no, like, honestly, like, some sick reverse psychology, right? Like, oh, my God, let the Dolphins celebrate. They beat us. But in the end of the day, I'm going to get the last lap because you're not getting two anymore. And I don't have uh-huh. to face him for as long as I'm here in the division. But what, if that, be, what, if, what yeah. if that be a smart strategy? Tell oh, me, man. it's not if a smart strategy. It if is. any, if anyone were to do that, it would be, yeah, it would be Bill Belichick. Exactly. And now that's, now that, now see, you sit here and you look forward to that Cincinnati game, and you're like, okay, if they get past that, well, why do you got to no, do this, man? That's that that's right around Christmas. That's that right around Christmas game, time. Why do you got to do this no, to that us? That Patriots uh-huh. game is very dangerous. I know it's up in New England, but Jesus. I'm telling you, and I'm sure Brian Flores may already not, not certain. He's probably not. He's definitely not thinking that far ahead. When that time comes, if the Dolphins are 0-15 or whatever it is. You gotta think, and if the Patriots have everything locked up, and the way it's going right now, they might because the Chiefs are four and two. There's not really anyone close to the Patriots right now in the AFC, at least as of the past two weeks. Man, are you gonna you tweet know. this out later? Are you gonna tweet this out at some point because you need to before someone as, else? This is no. I'm gonna tweet it out as soon as we hang up on the show. If you could see my face, I look like Brian Flores after that two-point conversion failed right now. I'm just <laughs> I, dumbfounded and sick, and you're, you're – I, f- I feel like when we had Ben Albright on our show and he said that we were going to have Mike, <laughs> Mike McGlinchey. <laughs> oh, man. Who didn't turn out to be a terrible pick. He's doing pretty good for the 49ers. <laughs> I know, but in that moment, that was like the last The worst thing we wanted to hear, ever. yeah. We were so excited to have him on. We're like, oh, he's going to give us some insight. And then he dropped out. And we're just like, oh, God. Oh, oh God, please, no. Well, and he was on a stretch of just hitting everything he said. So we were like, oh, my God. But, uh, yeah, we might be seeing this on a 30 for 30 here pretty soon, the day that Bill Belichick blocked the Miami Dolphins. Uh, unbelievable. All right. Dolphins got the Bills on Sunday. Ryan Fitzpatrick is starting. Quickly, right move, wrong move, and why? Sutton, go first. Wait, say that again. <laughs> Ryan Fitzpatrick starts on Sunday. Right move, wrong move, and why? I mean, right move. Josh Rosen has sucked, and you have to play the better quarterback. And I think if this, if we were a, you know, say we we're a 500 team later in the season, and we were doing this, yeah, I mean, that's definitely an issue. But we're an extremely terrible football team trying to find any glimmer of 
consistent football. So if we have to keep playing musical chairs to try to find that, I can't really blame the coaching staff. They're just trying to find some combination that works. So maybe going back to Fitzpatrick will, uh, he, he definitely looked better against the Redskins. The offense definitely looked better. So, you know, if, he's able to kind of catalyze that against the Buffalo bills, which I don't think he will, but if he's able to, then, you know, the the coaching staff can look smarter in the end. So yeah, go for it. I trust the coaching staff with this one. Yeah. It's hard to argue that. I mean, one thing I will say is, you know, we keep seeing, you know, when Josh Rosen came in in garbage time, you know, he went out there and he just had that mentality that nothing mattered. He was just going to throw up the ball. And that's when he looked like his best, you know, and that's the same thing we saw from Fitzpatrick. He came in late. He really didn't have anything to lose. And he went out there and played like a baller. For me personally, you invest a second round pick. Josh Rosen's 22 years old. You know, I, I think as he kept saying, you know, he's my guy moving forward. I, I understand trying to bring in Fitzpatrick to light a spark to go out there and win a game. But to me, you invested a second round pick. I thought you owed it to yourself to at least see what Josh Rosen can do throughout the year. I mean, I think we could all agree maybe this coaching staff in the front office already knows what they have in Josh Rosen. But personally, I would rather see the 22-year-old that we don't really – I want to say a little bit more of an unknown than the 36-year-old veteran that has been what he's been. You know, he goes out there, he has a good game, and then he just kind of goes back to just being another guy. I still hope that Josh Rosen can maybe bring it together, maybe be a suitable backup here or compete with whatever young quarterback comes in next season. But I think, I think a lot of this had to do with the team they're playing. You know, the Bills are going to go out there and – this offensive line's pretty, pretty bad. I don't see how Ryan Fitzpatrick isn't on his back for most of the game. So maybe they saw a way that they could kind of protect Josh Rosen. But for me, I'd rather see Josh Rosen out there than Ryan Fitzpatrick. Well, and I think, don't we have a couple of offensive linemen that are banged up right now? And the Buffalo Bills defense just looks absolutely amazing this season so far. So maybe there is a maybe there is a kernel of truth that, you know, if you are operating under the 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 prism that Josh Rosen might be potential trade bait at the end of the season and that you want to kind of limit some of the bad tape that he might put on there considering what just happened against the Redskins and looking into playing at Buffalo where oh my god the Dolphins just always seem to play like crap it's you know, may, maybe that's factored into the decision a little bit as well. We don't have all those nuggets of the pros and cons of how the coaching staff sees it. And if he goes out there and lays another egg, I mean, you might say he could never come back from that. You know, he had a terrible season last year with, you know, one of the worst, well, the worst team in football. He went to a team that, you know, is no better. The offensive line is probably worse than what he dealt with in Arizona. So how much more can he take? You know, how many more offense corners? He's been through seven in five years. How much more turnover? How much more, uh, you know, negative play can he have where he's just, you know, ready to give up or broken beyond return. I mean, maybe that plays into it. I don't know that anyone would sit here and say, you know, Josh Rosen's ready to start in the NFL because based on what you've seen, I mean, he still has a lot of work to do, still has trouble identifying the mic, you know, still has trouble understanding where the, the pressure's coming, finding the open receiver. I mean, he's 22 years old. So to sit here and say that he's the verdict's up on him would be crazy. But I do think a lot of it has to do with the psyche. And, you know, if he goes out there and lays an A against the Bills, you know, maybe there's just no return from that. Well, and like Josh Rosen said himself, he's not entitled to anything, so he's going to have to earn the spot back and practice. So if Josh Rosen resurrects himself, then it's, you know, all the power to Josh Rosen. It's It just seems like a very tall task to, to try to have one person rally all the troops when you have holes all over the place. You got to feel bad for the guy. 
it's unfortunate, but it's the cards that life deals you. And we'll see how Fitzpatrick yeah. does. I don't think the Dolphins will win this game, especially with their offensive line probably down two starters. Um, who knows if Xavier Howard is going to play, But and you're going into Buffalo. Tough matchup for the Dolphins. Um, probably another loss, but at least we'll kind of see how the how the offense improves with Ryan Fitzpatrick at the helm. You know what I'm really excited to see is Albert Wilson and Ryan Fitzpatrick hopefully hook up a bit. That would be fun. Yeah, let's let's see. We haven't really seen some fun Fitzpatrick yet this year. I mean, when we were going into this season, we were we knew that there would be some bad Fitzpatrick, but we also expected some some yellow throws that were going to work out and haven't really seen that too much this year. So, it would be nice to for Fitzpatrick to make some some plays against a really legitimate Buffalo defense. Man, if I'm the Miami defense, I'm just I'm going to play sound gap integrity run defense and I'm going to make Josh Allen beat me throwing the football and I, I I would put my cards on that table. How's your prediction for Sunday? Uh, I think we're going to see Josh Rosen in this game. I mean, you know, they okay. keep going back and forth, so I think, you know, Fitzpatrick's going to go out there, do Fitzpatrick things. I don't see the Dolphins winning. I think the spread's, what, 17 points. I don't even know that. I think the Dolphins will play well enough, you know, that they, they cover that. So I'm going to say 23-13. Is that, does that work for you? And we're going to see Josh Rosen play. He's going to go out there. He's going to go out there, and he's going to do the same thing that Fitzpatrick did last week, have some good throws because he has nothing to lose, and, you know, we'll be in the same situation next week. We'll see it all play out on Sunday. I look for – yeah, and I look for Flores' defense to continue to to get better. And I, I think the offense is still going to continue to struggle. I look for this game to be very low scoring, maybe like 16 or 17 for Buffalo to three for Miami. Yeah, we'll find out on Sunday when the Dolphins travel to the beautiful Buffalo, the beautiful city of Buffalo, New York. Lots of things not to do there. No Plenty one ever said that, yeah. No one, no one ever said it's fun. That's why there. they jump through burning tables because oh they live in God. Buffalo. What's the, what's their not. stadium called? Is, isn't it called like Malt Liquor Stadium or something? No, <laughs> no it's Ralph. Called. Ralph, like Ralph. when you oh, throw Ralph. up. Blech. Ralph. Wait, that was a that was a man, wasn't it? I'm sorry, Ralph yeah, Wilson. Yeah, it was a former that was, owner. Right, that was that was that was not nice. Can you guys apologize, please? Blech. Oh that's my that's my Ralph voice. <laughs> sorry, Ralph Wilson. I am. Oh, jeez, you guys are the worst. All right, well, we'll see what happens on Sunday. The Dolphins winless. Some fans hope they stay winless. Some fans hope they get their first win. Whatever side of the fence you sit on, we have you covered here on Finsider Radio. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at KanataPFN, at Houts, and at A Sutton PFN. Houts does the most tweeting of all of us. Make sure you give him a follow first. He is the man out there in terms of Dolphins for, Twitter. There is, for no one, there is <laughs> no one better than Houts out there, and Houts brings it each and every day. For Joshua Houts and Aaron Sutton, I am Matt Kanata. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next time. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl because we're the Miami Dolphins.
Miami has a dolphin, the greatest football team. We drink the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, cause we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, Just go to cars.com. It's magical.